Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, friendo, Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to sorry, going. Sorry, young boy, Larson. Sorry, young boy. So last, last time I have to do it. It's the last time. It's the last, last time one. you're going to have to do it, young boy. Nibon, off to excursion, return Ichiban. That's the goal, man. Yeah, dude. Anyways, welcome back to Going In Raw, the only pro wrestling podcast you'd be listening to. Special edition, Dark Side of the Ring review time, man. These are so great. These are so much fun. Of course, last week uh, we gave you our thoughts on the New Jack, the life and crimes of New Jack. Before that, mm-hmm. we had the Benoit uh, mm-hmm. retrospective. Uh, this week, we're looking at Brawl for All, bro. Yeah, uh, this has been a subject that's been covered actually pretty extensively. Uh, Brian Zane did a video on it. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp did an extensive uh, retrospective on it. I interviewed Vince Russo, I believe. Um, so it's ground that's well covered. Yeah, sure. That being said, there's a couple things uh, uh, described in this that at least I didn't, I wasn't aware of. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the primary amongst those was Vince Russo saying motivation, the inspiration behind the Brawl for All, was essentially to see uh, Bradshaw get beat up. Yeah. And he was talking tough backstage. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, that was good. Not shocking. Not shocking. He seemed like he was a royal prick back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea that Vince Russo uh, would then be like, man, I want to see this guy's ass kicked. Hey, I should get to do a tournament where uh, people get their asses kicked. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and, uh, it was an interesting dichotomy. I know I, I saw some complaints about the uh, another instance of uh, Cornette and Vince Russo essentially arguing via video footage about what pro wrestling should be. Uh, I think we kind of saw this a bit with the Montreal Screwjob one. Um, yeah, you know, there there was some, uh, specifically like Dave Meltzer, I I think some, some people who are maybe like a little too close to the situation, because Meltzer knows about this stuff, you know, he's been, he's been involved in some of it, kind of, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, I personally, this is just me speaking, I don't think it detracted from the Montreal Screwjob one. It could, because I think that it was it was a small part of an otherwise really wonderful documentary, and I thought that small part was actually very interesting. You have two mm-hmm. very interesting characters who are heavily involved with the proceedings, and they are both giving us their recollections mm-hmm. of what was going down. I think they're interesting figures, you know, within the historical context of things, and I think them bickering and. It's so funny because I thought that in the Montreal Screwjob one, Cornette came off 
like he was the guy that was sort of telling the truth there, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the fact that he was giving he was providing the basis uh, from a historical perspective as to how he came up with this idea to screw Brett over. His story just seemed more, you know, it, it seemed uh, more credible than Vince Russo's. Um, the flip side of this, it, it didn't have anything to do with taking credit or not, but I actually thought that Vince Russo came off okay in this in this episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Um, I think especially at the end where we saw uh, 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 some contrition on sure, his yeah, part yeah. coming up with the idea, because the way the episode was, was set up is he explains the motivation why, uh, he watches some of the stuff, um, and he still laughs about Bradshaw getting knocked out. Um, he seems for the first 45 minutes of the episode, basically unrepentant was coming mm-hmm. up with this idea. And then at the very end, uh, they show more footage of, of especially the Bradshaw fight. And he's like, man, knowing what we know now about CTE yeah. concussions, head trauma, this was a terrible idea. Well, if it was today, I never would have pitched it. And the, yeah, they have them. They're, they're basically have them doing a live reaction, which they cut mm-hmm. back to every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And, and when it starts off, you know, I think it was the very first fight or one of them. He, he says, you know, okay, so I'm sitting here as a fan and I'm I'm entertained by this. You know, yeah. he's sort of justifying it. But by the end, when you see Bradshaw get annihilated, even he has to step back and say, yeah, dude, wouldn't have done this, especially with what we know now. I yeah. probably shouldn't have done this. Meanwhile, Cornette is ranting and raving about this. And they do kind of an interesting thing, and I want to get your thoughts about how they do this. Cornette's point is... These guys, you're putting them in danger. Mm-hmm. Pro wrestling is dangerous enough, mm-hmm. and they use the draws incident uh, with D'Lo to uh, to say, "Hey, this is dangerous enough. Why would we make it more dangerous? Why mm-hmm. would we disrespect it um, by doing something where these people can get seriously injured?" Yeah. Uh, what What is your take on that? I don't think he's wrong. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know about necessarily the the the. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think in that instance, Cornet is wrong per se. Um, it's a terrible idea. I mean, even even by the time this episode ends, Russo comes around to realizing that it's a terrible idea because of the injury risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, you know, when when so many of the talents seem like we're hungry for a shot, and we're willing to do this mm-hmm. to get that opportunity. Because the whole thing, you know, I don't know how much of the chatter backstage was, and we'd heard this before, that the winner, who they apparently wanted to be Dr. Death, Steve Williams, yeah. was going to get pushed to a, a, a potential main event slot in the program against Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm any of the guys who are mired in the mid-card at best, and I hear that, and all I got to do is, is take some punches, and hopefully if I land a couple of lucky ones, I can win, get a huge payday at the end with a 75 grand, goes to the winner, and get a, and get a, a, get a push. Yeah, maybe I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah, because it, it could potentially benefit myself and my family financially. Yeah, and yeah, that maybe maybe the injury risk is 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 on your mind. But at the same time, I mean, some people might like Bart Gunn for instance. He probably thought this is my last best my best last chance to go somewhere in this company. Oh, it's a it's a no lose situation. Mm-hmm. Either you're just stuck where you are currently, or you come out of it ahead. There's two things that that absolutely sort of infuriated me about this episode, or not the episode, but about the story. Mm-hmm. Number one, why is everybody laying this at Russo's feet when this clearly had to get passed by Vince McMahon first? Yeah. The knock yeah. on Russo is he had a thousand ideas and Vince would pick the two that were good. Yeah. 
Vince clearly thought that this was an idea worth exploring, Mm -hmm. and he greenlit it. So where is the outrage towards the man who actually greenlit this thing? I know. If Vince thought this was a bad idea, he would have laughed it out of the room. I know, and and apparently he thought it was such a a solid idea that during Tough Enough, there was that boxing match between Miz and Daniel Puder, and apparently... Um, I, uh, the, the former writer said in 2009 or 2010, he considered bringing it back as part of the NXT competition. The other thing that infuriated me about it was what happened after the and two additional things. I'm sorry. Bart Gunn and well, I mean, we're just sort of all over the map right here, but that's yeah. OK. That's what we do with these things. Mm-hmm. Bart Gunn goes through this. He wins the entire thing, right? When As soon as he knocks out Dr. Death, like destroys his career, basically. Why are they not thinking to themselves, how can we take advantage of this? They had another guy in the company at the time who was nothing. Well, they had a couple legitimate guys in the company at the time. One of them was Dan Severn. Another Mm -hmm. one was Ken Shamrock. Mm -hmm. How much personality do those two really put on display during their pro wrestling careers? Basically zero. Not a lot. Bart Gunn, say what you will about him. He had he had good looks. Yeah, He had a very down-to-earth sort of good way of going. He was not an over-the-top character at all. He was the exact opposite of that. And you mm-hmm. could say, okay, maybe the guy didn't have a ton of camera charisma beyond just being a good-looking guy. But to not even explore that. I know. To not even explore that. Once he annihilates Dr. Death, you could say, oh, my God. What can we do? This? And Vince Russo even said, when Cornette says, you just wasted $5 million talking about Dr. Death. And he says, we'll just make Bart Gunn the guy. And Cornette goes off on him. And it's like, wait a second. That's actually sound logic. It this is. guy's well, about to annihilate this tell, field. You could tell based on the interviews with Cornette and JR, they were two. Both of them seemed like they were friendly with Dr. Death. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. JR for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very least, Cornette was a huge fan of Steve Williams work. They were probably too close to the situation in that respect, thinking we're going to bring this guy in. I don't think v- Russo was was way off base saying Steve Williams was past his prime at this point. He was. Yes, he I wasn't. know. And, and even, in terms dude, of even I knew that back then and I was an I idiot. Know. I was like a I 20 know. year old kid. And and given the personalities that existed in WWE at the time that were at the top, Stone Cold Rock, Triple H, uh, I can go on. Uh, Steve Williams doesn't have that larger than life personality. He does. He doesn't. He doesn't project that level of personality towards the camera. Um, and yeah, you could maybe set him up with a, with someone to do his talking for him. But even at, you know, like yeah, he was undefeated for or had been pinned for ten years or something like that. Um, you have D- Dan Severn walk in the company, a legit, legit, legit combat athlete. Yeah, one of the best ever to do it, and they can't get him over to the de- to the degree where he is a credible with Jim Cornette doing yeah. his talking for him. Yeah, getting him over enough to to push him up to the main event. Why do I think it's being any different with Dr. Death? When you were when we were watching back then, either at the uh, let's see, where were we in ninety-eight? We were still here in ninety-eight. That's when we moved to LA. Yeah. Uh when we were watching, but we would have been watching here in SAC. Yeah, I remember watching. Yeah. I think pretty much all the Brawl for All. When Dr. Death was introduced, did you ever once think, man, this guy's legit. I want to see him in the main event. Never once. There were too many guys with too much personality on the rise. Triple H, under, well, Undertaker. I mean, he'd been around for a little while, but still. Uh, Undertaker, Mankind, uh, you name it. The Rock, Every everybody, yeah. everybody. Yeah. I wanted to see 
Dr. Death comes in and all I can think is this guy looks like he's a relic from like the, you know, the 80s South type wrestling, which I didn't really care about. Like he looked like a mid Carter in WCW. Now I was granted, I was not, you know, educated on his credentials. Mm -hmm. And maybe if I was, I would have marked out a little bit more. But just as a as a fan back then watching like so many other college age kids like Vince Russo notes, I saw this guy as old past his prime. I didn't care. And so when yeah. I found out decades later that he was in line for a shot against Stone Cold off the off this brawl for all, I was like, this would have been silly. Yeah. This would have been absolutely silly. Give me Kane. Give me anybody else. I know. I, know. I mean, and, then, and I think as Dr. Death put it, it ended up being Triple H that eventually got that spot. Yeah, which made sense. Um, and if you would have put Bart Gunn, a young guy, good looking, if he annihilates the field like he did, uh, I would have been like, okay, if you booked it, if, if creatively you do this right, I will, I'll never forget the one time, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, All what's right. the one time you and I really marked out for Shamrock? Um, we saw him at a star casting and still looked all jacked. <laughs> okay, it's unfair, to, it's unfair to put you on the spot. Do you remember when he... He was the one guy that like it was he was the first guy to turn. Yeah, wasn't he like part of the ministry and yeah. then he turned on them to save like somebody, like a girl or something. I forget what it was. Yeah. But he comes running down and everybody's like, "Oh man, Shamrock's going to like save the day of, in some sort." He like turned on the big, you know, evil group. Yeah. And it was like, "Man, what if you put Bart Gunn in a similar situation like that? What if he's recruited by like the ministry or something mm-hmm. as like, you know, a muscle guy?" But then he's the guy who's like too good to like go through with all this nasty stuff they yeah, were yeah, doing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a million ways you can tell this story. Yeah. And the, and it was never considered. It was no, never it even considered. I mean, the only thing they considered after he won is they sent him home, said, "Oh, you're going to fight Butterbean." That was Mania. terrible. And then and then here we're gonna we're gonna uh, not only have you do boxing training to take on a professional boxer, we're gonna like repackage you as boxer this guy should have been packaged as like bar fighter yes yes exactly right exactly right and it what's shocking is that at the time it was like like wwf's creative like zenith basically you know it was like the top that they were you know and so like uh uh and that was the other thing that really infuriated me is that internally butterbean i always i always thought i always thought Butterbean was brought in as an opportunity, not necessarily as punishment. You oh. know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I he didn't. Makes... Butterbean makes it clear it was punishment. <laughs> I know. He says that. He says, yeah, I guess I was brought in as sort of like his punishment for like, for what? He even, Barkun even says, dude, in the documentary, I'm willing to work with you guys. You yeah. know what that means. Yeah. He says, oh, you, essentially, he says, if you want Dr. Death to win, book, you know, I will face him in the finals and I am willing to work with you. That means he's willing to throw the match. He's willing to do business. Yes. And then everybody is like, literally says to him, oh, we're not worried about Dr. Death. What, like, what more can you do to put a chip on somebody's shoulder to prove a point? Right. Yeah. Pretty much saying, oh, Dr. Death is going to wipe the floor with you. Yeah. And JR, JR was, and JR's like, in, still to this day, incredulous that Dr. Death lost. And it's like, and he, it's like he lays it at the feet of Bart Gunn. What is he supposed to do? What dude, what is he supposed to do? I know it was infuriating. This pork, this is like the most Kafka esque bullshit I've ever seen in my life, but it really seems like Debbie to be in a nutshell, probably still to this day. 
Yeah, no, I know. I, it totally does. But there, there. I mean, you know, you got you got guys that are no longer in the WWE in JR and Cornette. And granted, Cornette, yeah, say what you will about him, right? But Cornette really knows for back then pro wrestling. You know, he might have his issues with, and that that's that's a whole other weird thing. I, I'm still I'm I'm convinced there are. Just little things that, like Dave Meltzer has said, I'm convinced there are some things that we don't know about as it pertains to why Jim Cornette is so weird about modern day, about the Kenny Omega stuff and mm-hmm. the Joey Ryan stuff. I'm convinced there is something there that we simply don't know because mm-hmm. in, in everything else, you know, I mean, he, he, he seems like a, a pretty cool guy. In, in, in many other respects, you know, I mean, look at his, it, it's not like his Twitter feed is like Jackson Rikers, dude. You know what I no, mean? No, I know. It'd be like, like, like I understand you mean like politically. It's weird. He's a, it's a weird dichotomy with Jim Cornette because he's politically, he seems pretty liberal. Yeah. At the Progressive. same time. Yeah. In certain respects, he's very tied to the way things are done 30 or 40 years ago. Which, um, yeah. Like specifically pro wrestling. And he says this in, in 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 talking about how he tried to teach Vince Russo the ways of doing things in wrestling traditionally. And mm-hmm. Vince Russo was not interested in that. He would rather watch Jerry Springer and write an episode of Raw based on what he saw. Yeah. Um. And and he, the way Cornette put it, Russo was not the least bit interested in kind of learning the ropes of pro wrestling writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he says something to the effect of, uh. Uh, Russo didn't this paraphrasing here. Russo didn't take wrestling seriously, but wrestling is very important to me because it's provided is like it's the thing I love most for 40 years. Yeah. And I'm my this is just my guess. Cornet fell in love with wrestling 40 or 50 years ago. And and it's it's a scenario where he fell in love with it. And his perfect image of wrestling is what he fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially uh, uh, two competitors in the ring. Uh, choreographing a fight that it comes off as believable and real and when it's done right the crowd gets sucked into that illusion and have a, has an emotional reaction based on that mm-hmm. and anything that deviates from his perfect image of pro wrestling is an assault on pro wrestling and therefore must be destroyed I think that I think that's the that, only sense I can make of it no I know because at this point you can you can only extrapolate you can only yeah. extrapolate because it's never really it's he doesn't really explain, but there there's there's an odd there's there's got to be it's interesting. He's an interesting guy. It just feels like there's some, there's some missing piece that if we knew whatever the story was, there's some, a rosebud. There's a rose. There's a ro- you, thank you exactly. There is a rosebud, and if we knew it, we'd we'd understand it. We'd be like, oh, okay, now I get it. Mm-hmm. It's probably in generalities exactly what you're saying. There's something specific and something traumatic <laughs> or something. I don't know. But um, but he is at fever pitch when it comes to Russo. See, but here's the thing. If you if you as I described Cornette, his his philosophy of pro wrestling, he sees Vince Russo basically sees the Antichrist. Sure. Yeah. Because here's someone who had who in, in Russo's mind, at least Cornette thinks uh, there's nothing sacred mm-hmm. about pro wrestling. There's yeah. nothing that needs to be protected. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, uh, uh there's no tradition to uphold. Mm-hmm. There's no unwritten rules to follow. Mm-hmm. And it's all about uh, popping ratings, popping this, popping that, week to week to week. Yeah. Um, and 
as as good as Russo came off in this particular episode, it was still incredibly disappointing to hear him say that they used to watch Jerry Springer while watching Raw. Mm-hmm. Like that was their sole influence. Yeah. And yeah, you could see that on the screen when you watch Raw for the most part, but also it kind of, and maybe, you know, you, you can't, just as you probably can't lay all the blame on Russo's feet for everything that went wrong at WB, you can't exactly give him all the credit either. Sure. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, that there was a lot of pretty, there was some, pretty decent storytelling going on in yes. there during the attitude era absolutely and and you'd like to hope that the inspiration for that would be more substantial than jerry springer angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well i absolutely love this because you know if you own a home it can be really hard to maintain it's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small well Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I, I, I honestly think that the Springer stuff was, you know, may, maybe the the basis for. And it's funny because I and I know that it's going to be obviously his very biased, you know, point of view. But like, you know, I, I, I'm going to try to read Russo's book because I am kind of I am very interested in sort of you know what his tale is, even told through his lens, and then you can mm-hmm. sort of piece together. But um, but. You know, I'd like to think that, you know, the stuff that was the stuff that was influenced by Springer was probably it's it's probably obviously the stuff that you well, know it's the more shocking stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I mean, to to plot out 
to play, and granted, I haven't watched in a little while, but to plot out Survivor Series 98. And again, I, I, I'd like to, to read a book on, on how that went down to yeah, see exactly yeah. who the cooks were in that kitchen. Yeah. But um, there's some damn good plot twists at Survivor oh, yeah. Series 98. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There are some damn good plot twists during the Attitude Era. There really mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was just watching today, and it reminded me of, of how good the, the plot twists could be. Uh, the festival of friendship, you know, mm-hmm. with Jericho, and I'm like, God damn, man! I know they talk so heavily about working with Jimmy Jacobs on that, and it's just a bummer that he's not with the company anymore I because know. Know. that was some really good stuff. And then I started thinking, man, how long is Kevin Owens with WWE? Because I'd love to see him back with Jericho in AEW, and he's there through 2023. Yeah, he's not, he's on a new deal <laughs> in 2018. Yeah, yeah, um, like five year deal. Yeah, so so uh, be a while. so. Anyways, getting back to it though. Um, the, the the story of Bart Gunn is an absolutely fascinating one. Uh, the fact that he was paired up with uh, with you know, there, there is some there is some shady behavior with how the brackets were shaking out. Yeah, you know they claim it was hats in a bag, but like you know the fact that Bart Gunn was paired with his tag team partner in the first mm-hmm. round, mm-hmm. Uh, and he just absolutely annihilates annihilates Bob Holly. To the point where Bob looks like he's going to cry at the end. Oh, it's like super. It's like the most cry face you're going to see. It really is. And on Bob Holly. I know. Bob Holly. Noted tough guy, Bob Holly. And they go back to the. And he's. And they ask, well, what was it like immediately after? He's like, it was kind of quiet, you know. And and Bart Gunn. room that night. Yeah. (laughs) Bob Holly's laying on the couch. Yeah. Oh, I know the recreation. Yeah, Bob, Bob, Bob Holly got the couch. It's great because in the recreate, the, the recreation is great. It's one shot of in the foreground. You have a Bart Gunn with his head in his hands, and in the, on the ba- bed, and in the bed, yeah, on the bed, and in the background, Bob Holly is twisting and turning on the couch, trying to fit his massive body on probably a very small couch in a hotel room. It's probably more a love seat. Yeah. Um, I thought the Godfather was hilarious in this. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, being so over over the top about his love of the cannabis. It's interesting too because he was talking about his time. Uh, was it working in the gentleman's establishment? Cheetahs. Yeah, yeah. And he's and the thing. Like he he put over how much he really enjoyed the Godfather character. But what do you say about working in the the? He used club? to slap the shit out of pimps. He hated pimps. He hated the pimps, man. Maybe he was portraying like you know a kinder, gentler pimp. <laughs> I don't know, but again, a very interesting character. Yeah, um, and and wildly entertaining to 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 listen to. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to hear more of his stories. It was interesting uh, the Bart Gunn section. So uh, he loses the Butterbean at WrestleMania. I think he's gone from WWE shortly thereafter. And my understanding is that he went to. They mentioned this. He went to Japan. Yeah, and they mentioned that there was like a potential uh, bout between himself and Butterbean mm-hmm. in an MMA match, but he had to be ready in like four days. And Bart's like, no, 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 no. I want to yeah. fight camp. I want to prepare for this. They didn't mention anything. Apparently, my understanding is, is he went to Japan and did some wrestling and actually did pretty well for himself. Yeah, I was shocked that they didn't. Uh, that was always my that was always my understanding. Um, I was shocked. I mean, I I, I really I, I understand. I totally understand that documentaries uh, form together around a certain narrative that ideally develops once you start understanding the story. Once they start, once documentary filmmakers start creating a story or start filming stuff, basically mm-hmm. gathering info, they start to form a narrative. Um, I'm not sure how the brawl for all works if they go out and do the interviews first and then in the editing room determine what the narrative is. But I'm never a fan of when they ignore certain big things simply to fit the narrative. Because if Burt Gunn did experience 
success in uh, wrestling in Japan, like we had both heard. Um, yeah, so he was uh, Mike Barton in New Japan from 2002 yeah. to 2004. In All Japan, All Japan. Uh, oh, so All Japan was 98 to 2002, and then New Japan was 2002 oh, to 2004. Sorry. So we had sorry. four years in Japan oh, pro go. wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and that was like, yeah, that was right after he was a, he was a tag team champion, apparently. Yeah, with Johnny Ace <clears throat> in All Japan. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. OK. Yeah. Look at that with Johnny Ace. Um, I thought that he did uh, a little bit better. What did he do in New Japan? Uh, let's see here. He was number one contenders for the tag team. Tag team with Jim Steele. Yeah. And then he got injured. Uh, they entered the. G1 Tag League. Uh, okay, so oh, that's funny. I think I think he had his his greater success in all Japan because that's where uh, Steve Williams wrestled for long this time. And I think according to this, at least this Wikipedia entry, uh, he gained some notoriety in Japan because he knocked out Steve Williams. And Steve yeah. Williams is like over huge. Oh God, Japan. yeah, Him yeah, and totally. Terry Gordy were tag team champions, and yeah, there's pictures of them with like 15 belts amongst the two of them. Yeah, yeah, they were dominant over there. Yeah, so I mean, he had he had I guess I guess given that it wasn't like overwhelming success. I thought it was, I thought it was a bit more than, than just this mm-hmm. uh, on, let's see, 2001, he won the annual Kirk and Hall battle Royal. Um, I mean, he had some, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that was interesting that the draws stuff was interesting. Hearing D'Lo yeah. talk about the draws stuff was, was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obvious. <clears throat> it was always obvious that that had weighed really heavily on D'Lo Brown. He just mm-hmm. D'Lo Brown just seems like the biggest sweetheart. I know. He really know. does. He really does. Yeah. Um, it was interesting hearing Draws talk about his loss to Bradshaw, where he was convinced that he should have won the match, but it was a situation where, all right, well, they want Bradshaw to advance. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That was – yeah, and then just Jim Ross's uh, general, like – confusion over how the rules kept on. The whole thing was so haphazard. It was like, yeah, just go out there and fight. Well, what about takedowns? Oh, yeah, I guess that's those points, you know? Yeah, and they had, a, they had a scoring system, but, you know, JR says something like, well, you have referees who never refereed a match like this. He has judges who have never scored a match like this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. And, I, like, it was funny hearing him say, well, like, I wasn't dismissing, JR saying this, dismissing the idea on paper, but he's like, after the first week, Mm-mm. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Like, what do you say? Something like I, 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 I couldn't stand episodes of Raw with Brawl for All, and didn't want to call mm-hmm. those matches. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not his thing. Um, <clears throat> so, in the end, uh, do you think that the Brawl for All was the worst idea in pro wrestling? I don't know if it was the absolute worst. It's a contender for the worst, given all that happened. Given the the, the number of injuries, you can make the point that uh, Steve Williams' loss uh, effectively uh, ended his uh, wrestling career as a made a potential made eventer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Godfather detailed the injuries he suffered. Um, yeah, that was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. Like I didn't. That was one thing that was absolutely shocking is just how much damage can be done just from these silly boxing slash wrestling. I mean, he said that mm-hmm. his he was in a wheelchair, his leg got infected, mm-hmm. and I was thinking to myself. And I mean, sometimes you're you're a bit better at diagnosing things than I am. What what the hell happened there with his leg? I'm not sure because as red as what it was, that's either bruising, yeah, 
which would indicate maybe a, a torn muscle of some sort because mm. it's all of his thigh. Mm-hmm. Or it, you can also get a, a redness and inflammation like that from an inf- if it, cause it's hard to tell this one picture whether it was bruising or if it was inflammation. It was inflammation. That's as you mentioned, there was an infection there. Yeah, if that was an infection. That was widespread. Yeah, no, <laughs> that was kidding. over like his entire thigh, pretty much. But it, you know, I don't know how the infection would have come about. Who knows? Yeah, um, yeah, that was that was a more shocking thing to me. Was uh, you know, was just the the goddamn yeah. And again, it's a, it's a situation where Cornette is correct about putting talents in place to, in a position where they could get hurt in an industry that's very dangerous. Yeah. But for him to lay the sole blame for that on Russo's feet yeah, uh, is not like that's not I mean. Yeah, you can say, oh, I was stupid to come up with that idea. Uh, Vin, Vince Russo didn't make that. The brawl for all happened. It was yeah. Vince McMahon that made that happen. I wonder. I do wonder if there is. I, it, it and it sort of speaks to the relationships backstage with McMahon because I wonder if it's. I wonder if it's a case of McMahon brings in Russo says this kind of stuff in the magazine is what we need. Yeah. And I want Vic Venom to write the show. <laughs> Vic Venom. And I wonder if the guys Pritchard, Cornette, Jr., whomever, Briscoe, whatever see this Russo guy and I wonder if Vince has his golden boys, if you will, you know, like the guys that he sort of gets infatuated. The boss is infatuated with this guy for right now, you know, Mm -hmm. and he'll do what he'll do. What Vince Russo says because he's infatuated with him in the moment. And then, you know, and then he moves on to maybe somebody else who has like a bunch of great ideas that McMahon likes. And I wonder if it was a situation where there's a certain responsibility for being the person that Vince listens to that they all maybe respect backstage. It's like, hey, Vince is really enamored with my ideas right now. I have to I have to be very careful with that. I have no idea. I'm just sort of speculating. I don't know either. I don't know if it's a situation, too, where I don't know if, if, if it's a situation like that where Vince says, oh, I like this guy's ideas. He's my new number one until that person's out the door and then replaced by somebody else. I don't know if that's a situation or if it's a situation where you know, at that point, Pritchard had been with the company for a while. Cornette probably had two. Mm-hmm. Patterson's been there forever. Oh, yeah. Um, and they got this new guy coming in who was writing columns for the magazine and send, suddenly handed the book, essentially. And they, mm-hmm. they could all be like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm why sure is he, Why is he on my turf now? Yeah. Potentially feel threatened by it. And maybe Cornette, maybe that's one one of the reasons Cornette was, was upset about it. It's like, all right, this guy is, is on my turf now. Uh, I'll try to show him the ropes. Oh, you're not interested, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just immediately taking offense just based on that ground, if nothing else, you know? Yeah, I forget. I forget who is attributed to the quote. And uh, I'm reading that I'm, I'm about 100 pages away from being done with that Nitro book. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, that's why they said that in on when Russo showed up to Nitro, the non wrestling segments just went through the roof in terms of the number of them, because he he was not about storytelling in the ring. Nope. Uh, he was all about, you know, everything but the actual wrestling, mm-hmm. which was uh, kind of silly because it's professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, and you really need a mix of the two. You do. Um, so. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I what, it probably I mean, it was probably in terms of like the stage that it was on. It was probably the worst idea in pro wrestling. That being said, in terms of it being an entertaining cl- in terms of it being like a funny footnote that, oh, they would do this. It's it's way up there. You know what it I is. mean? It is. It, it's like wow, they really went that route. That's interesting. It's it, it's interesting. Remember, I remember watching it live at the time. It's like, gosh, this, these fights are terrible. <laughs> They're awful. I know. 
I know. Because they showed, you know, like Bart Gunn was like one of the handful of people who actually managed to knock anybody out. Mm-hmm, yeah. By and large, it was sloppy at takedowns attempts. Just, just it was ugly. Just, you know, like I think in their mind they wanted to have fights like Rocky. Mm-hmm, yeah. Where everybody's just throwing haymakers and just like sucking them up on their chin. Yeah. But it was just flailing punches, not many landing, awkward takedowns, mm-hmm. sloppy fighting, not fun to watch. Yeah. Um, it was largely a pretty lousy viewing experience as a fan. It's pretty bad stuff, dude. Yeah, it was. Anyways, let us know what you guys thought about the Brawl for All documentary or just the Brawl for All itself. Uh, thanks for watching. And until next time, uh, what, what's up next week on Brawl on uh, Dark Side? Is it the uh, the 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 Snuka murder? Might be. Okay. Well, in any event, we'll be back next Sunday for more of that. Thanks for watching. Till next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.